0: to Identity Church Sunday morning message, where sonship is revealed. Stay tuned at the end of this message to receive more information about resources available through Identity Church. Now grab your Bible, sit back, and enjoy a message from Identity Church that is already in progress. So I wanted to speak today. How many of you guys have been here for Charlie's series about I am the I am? You know, it ended up with, I am the I am. And that's a great, a great word, man. Um, understanding that if we are in God and God is in us, then the I am is in us, so we are in the I am. So therefore, I am that I am has to be true if the I am is in me. And that's great, and and it's great You know, when Charlie talked about going and laying hands on a building and declaring that what he says will die will die, what he says will live will live, because I am the I am is an amazing understanding, and it's great. But there's a flip side to this, okay? There's an understanding we have to have with this. And so if I was going to title this, I would say, I am that I am. Now what? now what that's great to know but now what um okay so god lives in you and you inside god that's great so what exactly does that mean though like i don't i i don't i let me preface this by saying i don't have the full understanding of it and if you do you're kidding yourself okay you don't we don't we don't really understand I said last week that God hides nothing from us, and that's very true, but there are mysteries of God that we don't have yet because we haven't attained that understanding yet, but he's not hiding it, it's just not revealed to us yet, because we don't get it yet, It's we think too much up here instead of here, so we get blocked, you know, um, So I'm going to talk about the amazing things about understanding that I am that I am and some of the things that go along with it. And I think the biggest thing that we need to understand if we're going to walk this out as a body is this, you are accountable to what you know. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, if you are understanding I am the I am, you are accountable to being the I am that I am. And when I when God showed me that, I'm like, wait, wait, I don't know if I am what I am anymore because uh, it's a serious word. It's a serious understanding that God lives inside of me, and He's not just this pie in the sky that I praise and worship and look up to. And it's weird. We have to look up to see God, but when we pray, we have to look down. So I don't understand it all. Um, you know, I was never the kind of person. Even when I first became a Christian and we would all gather around in prayer and everyone would be like this and I would just be like this with a big smile on my face and even if we were praying about something really serious and people would be like why are you always so smiling I'm like because like I'm a Christian I'm saved I'm not going to hell anymore like what, what am I going to be all solemn about here <laughs> like you know you know people talk about you know, how horrible it was that Jesus paid the price for us and what happened on the cross. And I've always been like, well, thank God that happened because I would be in eternal damnation without it. Like, I'm very thankful for what Jesus did. Um, but we are we are accountable to our understanding. I have a couple scriptures I'm going to go through talking about what this all means. Luke 12, 47 and 48. Jesus is talking and he was, he was talking about being watchful. And he said, That servant who knows his master's will and does not get ready or does not do what his master wants will be beaten with many blows. But the one who does not know and does things deserving punishment will be beaten with few blows. From everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted... With much, much more will be asked. Well, guess what, guys? We have been given much, much, much. In fact, we, you know, you got to realize, Jesus, this is still pre-cross talk. So I'm going to change the word. From everyone who has been given everything, everything will be demanded. Name one thing we haven't been given because we've been given it all. So it's all demanded now. And listen, if for those of you who know me as I get into this message today, anybody who knows me at all knows like I am the grace guy, a hundred percent, like a million billion percent, like i don 't even like to preach out of the Old Testament, all right Today, I have a few scriptures from it because we have to understand some things i 've had to recalibrate some of my understanding that there is complete and full grace, but we have to understand what that grace is saving us from, and to understand that we have to go back and look. I also have come to an understanding that people in the kingdom movement of the church have completely, uh, many of us, have turned the grace message into sloppiness, but at the same time, what we've done is we've poured out grace on unbelievers. We've poured out the gr- Well, they don't know Jesus yet. It's okay. They'll figure it out. They'll figure out out. You know, just have grace and have mercy. On and then we go to people that are already born again and Christian, and we throw the law at them. Well, you better start acting right if you're going to represent my God. You know? And we've got it completely reversed. Let me explain something. If you're not born again, every book of the Old Testament, every punishment for every sin applies to you 100%. There is no grace for those who do not have Christ. They're not going to get to heaven and say, yeah, but I, have, I don't know you. Depart from me is gonna, all they're going to hear. I don't think we realize that sometimes as, as born-again believers, why there is an absolute, there is an emergency for the unsaved out there. And this is not a pouring out of condemnation on anybody because I'm in grace. If I choose to keep my faith to myself, and not share it with anybody. I don't care what anybody says. I'm born again. Jesus is my Savior. I'm going to heaven. But why would I want to? My heart's been changed. So you can't really do it because it's in us. But what, what are we doing sometimes? Myself being the first one in all of this. Ezekiel 3.18, a scripture I know well. It's literally on my arm, but I like to read it anyway just so I don't miss anything. When I say to a wicked man you will surely die and you you we do not go out and warn him or speak out to dissuade him from his evil ways in order to save his life that wicked man will die for his sin and i will hold you accountable for his blood i can't get away from those words they're accurate so when god's so so let me ask you a question if if christ said our commission is therefore to go and make disciples, which is what we're here to do, I can't look at anybody and say, well, God, you didn't tell me to go to speak out and dissuade him from his sins. He did. So we're accountable for it, right? Now, we're not accountable to their decision after we talk to them. And and, you know, and listen, I absolutely believe in using discernment when witnessing, okay? I'm not going to go into Walmart I say this and I'll probably do it if I say it, but I'm not going to go to Walmart, get on the speakerphone and start preaching Jesus to everybody because then that's not what God would want me to do unless he does and then you'll see me on the news next week. But, but, but the reality is when we see that little irk in your heart that when you see somebody is definitely the Holy Spirit. The devil will never lead you to go tell someone God loves them. The devil will never have you do that. It's 100% God when you feel that in your heart. So don't question it, just do it. And you don't, listen, you don't gotta go over to some sinner who's not saved and and whack him over the head with this book. I mean, I would never. I mean, and what I mean by that is metaphoric. You don't gotta go say, you know, you're going to hell when you die if you don't receive. Listen, I don't believe in evangelism that way. I believe that the Bible tells me it's the goodness of God that causes man to repent. But we have to have a burning in our heart for what that goodness is saving them from. I think sometimes we don't really, I think we've, and I am the worst at this. And I'm, so, you know, Rodney said last week, I'm transparent and I'm trying to be as transparent as I can. I have totally gotten away from hell when it comes to unbelievers. And just totally about this ooey-gooey-goody-goody gumdrop love of God, which is so true. But what is that ooey-gooey-gooey love gumdrop saving them from? An eternity in hell's fire. And I forget that sometimes when I'm dealing with them. They'll get it. They'll, They'll figure it out. Well, there are some that will, but there are some, Scripture tells us that we need to pluck out of the fire. There are people that we will come into contact with that we are the only Jesus they're going to see. If Jesus is in us, and we are the I am that I am. We're the one that they're going to see. What are we projecting to them? So, who am I? If I am that I am, I'm going to go to John 14, 6-14, and I'm going to tell you who we are, if we are who we are. So confusing. And this is the word of Jesus. Now, how many of you have said with Charlie, I think everybody in this church has said it with Charlie before, I am as righteous as Jesus Christ ever was. So if we're proclaiming that, we're taking on the responsibility of that. So who is Jesus and who am I? John 14, 6 through 14. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you would know my father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Listen, if Christ is in me, I should be able to, a sinner should say, you know what? I've seen God because I've seen Anthony's life. Not that I'm Jesus. I'm not I'm not the one who died for their sins. But if Jesus is truly in me, how can they not see him? And guess what? A lot of times they don't because Anthony gets in the way all the time. But it's a truth that we have to come to an understanding of. If you really, like I said, if you really knew me, you would know my father as well. So there's a dying lost world out there that we should be able to say, if they really knew who I was, they would know my God as well. Philip said, Lord, show us the father and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. "'Believe me when I say that I am in the Father "'and the Father is in me, "'or at least believe on the evidence "'of the miracles themselves. "'I tell you the truth, "'anyone who has faith in me "'will do what I have been doing. "'He will do even greater things than these "'because I am going to the Father. "'And I will do whatever you ask in my name "'so that the Son may bring glory to the Father.' You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. You know, as I was reading that last night, I realized people use that to, like, why isn't my prayers being answered? I asked in his name, and it's not being answered. Well, he, I, a thought. He didn't exactly say anything you pray in my name. He was talking to his disciples about his life on earth and him showing the goodness of God through his life. So he's saying, anything you ask me to do in my father's name, I'll do it. Go witness to the tax collector, I'll do it. Go eat with the sinners, I'll do it. Therefore, you ask me anything in my name and I'm going to do it. But we twist it into this eternal message. Like if I ask God for a million dollars in Jesus' name, he better do it. Because it's not what the scripture is saying here. He's talking to his disciples. They're having a conversation. But but there's a seriousness in this, and there's a, listen there's an understanding, and if you can't you have to catch this in the eyes of the kingdom, not in the eyes of the church. If you catch this in the eyes of the church system as we know it, then what I'm saying here is that I'm Jesus, and that's not what I'm saying at all. But I am saying Jesus lives in me. I am saying Jesus lives in you. I am saying if Jesus is in the Father and Jesus is in me, then I'm in the Father, and so are all of you. So I am saying that we should strive absolutely to say, guys, to to the sinner, don't don't you know me? Even after I've been with you, anyone who's seen me should see the Father in me. That's like a strong thing to be accountable to. Because not everybody sees the Father in Anthony. And and that's where grace comes into this for the believer. But, But there's a reality that we have to, you know, understanding is all these things and with with the understanding of the i am that i am message understanding that less of me is more of him starts to make more sense to me it's not me shrinking away from who i am it's me shrinking away from my flesh and 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 coming forth because what is the world crying and groaning for The sons of god to be revealed we are the sons of god the world's been waiting for us to be revealed So what is so what does it mean to be Christ like? We've gone over this like a million times, like you know, you know, Charlie even talked about a couple of things. He said number 1 he said we can we have the authority to forgive sins. And I kind of fought him on that. I said no, we don't. I can't forgive anybody's sin. But what I can do is explain to you your sins have been forgiven. Cuz that's the truth. Christ died one time on a cross for everyone. So therefore, it's not me forgiving your sins. It's me proclaiming the good news of the gospel that your sins have indeed been forgiven. Not by Anthony, but by Jesus Christ on a cross. So what, is that in, what does that make you want to do? Go serve the man who forgave your sins. I, as I've been learning about this Keith Green guy which I've really been studying on him. He he's awesome. He was kind of got born again in like the hippie movement and stuff like that and he was he'd gone through world religions in his youth. He was a he was a Muslim for a time, he was a Buddhist, he was a Hindu. And he said I was studying all these different religions and he goes and it was crazy because the Muslims would say that Jesus was a prophet. And and the Buddhists would say Jesus was a Buddha. And the Hindus would say that Jesus was a holy man. So here I am this this young Hindu. And, and I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to make Jesus my guru. Why would I not make this guy my guru? If they're all pointing to him, like I'm making him my guru. So this guy comes as a, as a Hindu and decides to make Jesus his guru, still practicing Hinduism. But then what, what, what you have to do when you have a guru is start learning about who your guru is. And he started learning about Jesus the guru. And he's like, it started to hit me because All these other religions would point to Jesus and say, yeah, the Muslims say, yeah, Jesus is is a way to Allah. And uh, the Hindus would say, yeah, Jesus is a way to Nirvana. And the Buddhists would say, Jesus is a way to enlightenment. And then you look at Jesus and he said, I am the only way, the only way. And it clicked in his brain like, I'm going to follow the guy. If they're all saying he's something and he's saying I'm the only one, why would I not follow him? And so, so he, that's how he became a Christian. He became an on-fire-for-God Christian, this guy. He would, preach, he would preach the law like it was on steroids to people. Towards the end of his life, he caught grace. He caught the message of understanding the, 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 the love of God. And he never, he, he didn't really change the way he spoke, and he talked about this. He said, I, he goes, I still believe everything I said, but there's a grace that comes with understanding this that I didn't have. And, and that's what happens to so many of us that catch the kingdom. And I, I call it the kingdom because that's what this church is. It's a kingdomy church, right? We're not, we're not a religious church. We're not a churchy church. So, So many times when people catch the kingdom, they catch it because they've been used and abused by people in church. And they get sick and tired of the church system. They want nothing to do with it. They come here, they find a freedom. And they're like, oh, this is nice. The problem is they then get their, their their gun out and start aiming at the church. I'm taking the church out. I'm Rambo now. My job is to destroy this thing that destroyed me. And that's not what God called us to because the church is his bride. All right? And, and, and so we have to understand that the church, we have to love the church. My God. The, even with all its faults and problems, the church is his bride. The church is our brothers and sisters. Now Something cool I heard about the church, and I thought this was pretty cool. How many of you guys can honestly say, with the raising of your hand, I have never missed church? Never missed it. I can. Because I am the church. I never missed myself. (laughs) Right? Is that a good word? Like, I've never missed church. I am the church. And it's just a little perspective change of understanding. I've missed this gathering a few times, but I've never missed church. I've never missed God because God is in me. I can't go anywhere without him. When I'm deep in 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 messing up, it's like Evan talked about, the, you know, the harder we fall, the softer the landing is when when God's with us. It's amazing. He's all, all his plans are good for us. So who am I? I am the way. We are the way. The way of what? The way to point to the cross for the sinners. And, you know, we, we come in here all the time as those of us who are born again, and we talk about getting past the cross. It's important to get past the cross. We're beyond the cross now. We are in Christ, and it's another dimension. But we have to remember we are go- our job is to lead others to the cross. They don't know the cross yet. They haven't understood the blood yet. We have to, so we are the way for other people to find Christ. I am the way of you to find your salvation in Jesus Christ. We are that, whether we want to be or not, we just are, and that's a accountability again that comes on that. So, who is the, who is Christ to people? What are we portraying Jesus as to people when we talk about him? He's, you know, I, I get so. I get so funny about worship sometimes. <laughs> Not in this church, but in, in, in the, the conservative or Christian movement, you know, contemporary Christian music. It's like, like we've made Jesus into our boyfriend in 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 in, con- in contemporary Christian music. Like, like, like you remember in the '80s they had like the Tiger Bop, and you'd have like you know the posters. Like that's like how Christians nowadays have Jesus. Like, oh, he's so dreamy. Jesus is so amazing. He loves you so much. We don't get it, man. <laughs> like, He's not your boyfriend. He's your Lord. More importantly, he's your Savior. And he's your King. It is, it's not this dreamy... We get lost in this music stuff. I'm not even going into the music stuff right now. But, um, but who is Jesus? When John the Baptist saw Jesus, what did he say? We all know this scripture. He said, look, behold, the Lamb of God... Who takes away the sins of the world. And we have this wonderful little picture in our head of this little lamb, Jesus Christ. And he's like, yes, I am the lamb. In the Catholic church, they do when they raise up the Eucharist. And And he's this lamb of God. And he's so precious and so beautiful. And he's there in all his glory as the waters part. And John's like, it is you. And his British accent that we see in the movies. But what was he really saying when he said that? Let's go to Exodus 12 and figure out what he was really saying. Exodus 12, 1 through 7. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, This month is to be your first month, the first month of the year. Tell that whole community of Israel that on the 10th day of the month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. If any household is too small for a whole lamb, they must share one with their nearest neighbor, having taken into account the number of people that are there. You are to determine the amount of lamb needed in accordance with what each person will eat. The animals you choose must be year-old males without defect, and you may take them from the sheep or the goats. Take care of them until the fourteenth day of the month when all the people of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. Then they are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and tops of the door frames of the houses where they eat the lambs. So what he was saying was, behold, the sacrifice of God who's about to get slaughtered for you has shown up. The one who's going to, so, so what, and then, and then what, 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 what God said to Moses, if you want to redo the words, they are to take some of the blood of Jesus and put it on the sides and tops of their door frames, and they are to decide, um, take, take Jesus and slaughter him at twilight. That's what, that's what they told Jesus when, when John said that. That's what he's proclaiming. He was going out of these books. The Lamb of God. Not the insufferable little cute lamb. The one that we're about to take out. Jesus was scared at times. Jesus said, God, if you if there's any other way, then do it. But there is no other way, your will, not my will, be done. He said that. He went through these emotions. He, you know, he didn't just say, yeah, this is gonna, I'm gonna die in a few days. I'm pumped up about this. He warned his disciples, and it was such a, a horrible way to die that his disciples were like, No, 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 that's not gonna happen. And then he had to rebuke his disciples, right? He had to rebuke Peter. He said, you know, Satan put that in your head. Get behind me because it was probably a real temptation for Jesus to just say no I mean come on who wouldn't it be a temptation for but he had something that he had to do and he understood it so who are we showing Jesus? so who is the Jesus that we're showing to we 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 stop talking about the blood to people all the time. We don't, we don't preach the blood. And when we do preach the blood, we talk about that precious blood that washes white as snow and it's so holy and pure and innocent. We don't talk about the stripes on the guy's back. We don't talk about the slaughtering that they did of Jesus for your sins. This is a, a realness that helps people understand. The law being preached, which I have been so against for many years of my walk, I'm starting to understand is no. When you're dealing with the unsaved, you do preach the law to help them see what they're facing without the grace of God. Because it's a fact. I can't get around it. I have tried for years to say, no, 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 no. I'm, I was wrong. The law is a reality. Jesus did not come to do away with it. He came to fulfill it. Well, isn't that the same thing? No, it's not. Because guess what? If you don't receive the fulfillment of that law, you are now under it again. Now, as born again, and I'm looking around today, everybody here is born again. So as us, we're under grace. We're not under that law. But every one of us has family members, friends, people we see at the store that are going to die and go to hell if they do not receive that grace. And that's an accountability. If I am that I am, I am the way for them to find Christ. If I am that I am, I am the truth. That's a rough one. I mean, we all... Especially being a salesman, we all have our little untruths. <laughs> Listen, my wife says sometimes, she goes, you know, especially when I was in car sales, real estate agents are all truthful, we don't lie, but uh, car salesman, um, she'd be like, you're such a manipulator sometimes. I'm like, yeah, but I would say manipulating is just molding into the right image. <laughs> like, I'm like, I, can, I can turn anything into what works best for me, I promise. You know, I was, like, I was like, I manipulated you and you're my wife. Now, I guess I did a good job. But uh, <laughs> I did. I sold her a car and then a husband at the same time. Best deal I ever made. <clears throat> but, um, but no, we are the truth. And what I mean by the truth is, we are not the facts. We are not the lie, obviously. We are the truth. The truth outweighs the facts. The the fact of the matter is, you have cancer. That's a fact. The truth of God says, by his stripes you're healed. That's the truth. There's differences, right? We have to understand the truth if we are the way, the truth, and the life, the truth that we have, what are we presenting as the truth to people? Are we presenting the truth that God so loved the world that he gave his only son that everybody saved? Because I've heard that preached in church. Are we presenting that God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whomsoever shall believe in him will be saved? We forget that. I forget that part sometimes. Not literally forget that part, but I don't put that emphasis on whomsoever shall believe in him. I forget it. And and even when I don't forget it, I don't see the reality sometimes of what this poor soul's future is without Christ. And so... Sometimes we take that truth and we put it on the pastor, the shepherd. We say, Charlie, you know, I mean, Charlie, I haven't seen much growth in this church lately. What are you doing wrong? How come you're not, how come you're not, how come there's not salvations going on at this altar every week, Charlie? What's, what's going on there? And I heard a really good word about it t- uh, a couple days ago. And he says, you know what? The thing about shepherds is shepherds don't produce sheep. They don't. It's not a shepherd's job to produce sheep. Sheep produce other sheep. The shepherd makes a safe environment for sheep to run and play and laugh and grow and be intimate and expand themselves. I think Charlie's done a really good job at making this a safe place for us sheep to run around and have fun and dance around. But so sheep, and I'm talking us, what have we done to build the kingdom here? I mean, and it's been hard. I I've told Charlie before. I was, I told Charlie there's been times when I have witnessed to people, and I'll send them to a different church because I'm like, I don't know if this church is the right place for new believers all the time. We're we're a rough and tumble place, you know. We're you know some some churches we wait they wage you in the water and they they hold on to you and they teach you how to swim. I said, Charlie, yeah, you put a life jacket on them, but you throw them in the deep end. <laughs> like in like, a, figure this out in thirty seconds. That life jacket's coming off, buddy. You know. But but they but they they figure it out, you know I always trust the motives. <laughs> but um but no guys it, it's on us. It's on us. And now understanding that we're accountable to this, I'm sorry to tell you, but everything I'm telling you is making you more accountable, unfortunately, because it made me accountable. So if I gotta deal with it, you gotta deal with it. So we're, we're the sheep. We're the ones that need to be bringing other sheep into this place and helping them grow. And what I can promise you is this. The elders in this place and Charlie himself are committed that even if we get the youngest, newest, I don't know anything about Jesus yet believer, they will go out of their way to make sure that person grows right. All right? We've drained the pool a little bit, so no one's going to drown, I promise you. We'll keep them okay. They're going to keep them fine. And that, and listen, I'm preaching to me as well as you, so please, you know what I mean understand that so what so that that is the truth that we need to bring the truth of the matter of the fact is is that we are accountable to what we understand, just like your faith can only take you so far, and I talk about faith a lot, <clears throat> so in other words, I hear people that talk about when they first became saved. They turned their TV off. And I mean literally turned their cable off. Got threw their TVs out the window. Only read the book of the the Word of God 24-7. And that's what kept them from not falling back into the world. And you know why that worked for them? Because that's where their faith was put at the time. So whatever you put your faith into is real to you. If I put my faith in this bottle of water and make this bottle of water my savior, this bottle of water becomes more powerful than anything in this room to me. Problem is I'm going to drink this water and it's going to be empty at some point. I'm going to have lost all my faith (laughs) because I ain't got faith in anything anymore. Now, I put my faith in God, he never runs out. But the reality is your faith is the most powerful thing you have. And it can only go, you can only go as far as that faith will allow you to go. Our faith continues to build, so we continue to get more understanding in things. So where that comes into an issue with us kingdom people is we start getting revelation and understanding. All of a sudden, something that we believed for 20 years makes not as much sense as it used to because God lets us see another understanding of it, and for some reason we think we have the right to go beat people up who don't have the same understanding that we have. That's nonsense. They don't, listen, I didn't believe this a week ago. How can I expect you to believe this now? Like, you know what I mean? I, it, we, ha, we, we do that a lot in the church with our revelation and understanding. This is where the problem with prophets arises, Man, I'm telling you, all the prophets are going to hate me because I've been railing on them in love. But you know what I mean. I, but there's a reality here that the, that that what what happens is the I, you know the prophets typically are people that no one likes. And they don't care that no one likes them because they think that they're getting persecuted for righteousness sake. They're like impossible to deal with, you know. The fivefold ministers, the pastors, the teachers, the event they're pretty easy. But those prophets, they're just like, huh, no matter what you do to me, it's just because I'm a prophet. You don't like me? Well, it's because you don't like, you want to hear the word of God. You don't want to hear the truth. Oh, you do like me? Well, good. Then you'll get a prophet's reward. Like, just stop, man. (laughs) Like, you know, that comes into the whole identity thing of who we are. I am not a prophet. I'm not an evangelist. I'm not a teacher. I'm not a pastor. I'm a child of God who can do all of those things. Now, there's certain things that you might be specialized in doing and God's given you a personality to walk out and that's great. But the moment you make that your identity, the moment you need a, a title, Charlie Preacher, but here, if you need a title, that means you have an entitlement problem. How many of y'all know that Charlie Coker, the pastor of this church, is called to be an apostle? And he's been traveling more and doing more of what he needs to do. And we miss him when he's gone. I do. I miss his sermons. But guess what? We got to share them. Because his calling goes beyond these four walls in here. More people need to, he needs to go set up things like this in other states and do what he's got to do. But it's hard for us because we're like, yeah, but we want our Charlie here, man. Because he's got the goods. We know he's got the goods. Well, guess what? All you guys have the goods. I promise you. If you're connected to the guy, God could, I believe God connects us with the people that we're like. So all, you know, I, I, my spiritual brothers and sisters that are, you know, Spiritual sons and daughters of Charlie, when we get together and we talk, it's like we're all like the rough and tumble weird people. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you know, when we talk about our issues compared to other people's issues, it's like, you know, we make people blush. (laughs) You know what I mean? But at the same time, what what other people have realized and they've said, it's like, yeah, you guys are like kind of rough around the edges. But if I was ever in the dogfight, I want you guys around. Because we get it done. And we don't hold back. And it's all out of love. You know what i mean like i've learned that when someone is issuing a harsh word i i had a pastor one time brian higby which you guys know the first time i went to a son's conference i was sitting there with charlie and him and charlie's talking about some stuff and and we're sitting there and all of a sudden my phone rings and it's my wife now i'm the kind of person that i don't care if i'm talking to the president himself if my wife calls you right back. I got to take this call. I don't know what's going on. I and mean, it's my wife. So I go, I take the call. It was nothing, of course. <laughs> but um, I, I come back to my chair and, and Brian's like, who was that? And I'm like, "That's my wife. He's like, okay. A few minutes later, he's like, can I give you a, can I give you a word of correction, brother? I'm like, oh, what did I do wrong? I'm like, yeah, okay, go ahead. He's like, I don't want to, I don't want to be too harsh, but you know, when, when this man's talking, you need to listen to him. It's He's got a lot of wisdom in you, you know maybe you don't, you don't want to answer those phone calls when this man's listening you need to kind of pay attention especially in in times like this when we're when we're gathered and we're do, and he's like and i'm like okay cool you know like okay so like about 20 minutes later he comes up to me and goes listen man i hope i wasn't too hard on you <laughs> and then I said, listen, dude, I've been around Charlie Coker for 25 years. If you're going to beat me, at least take me to the shed and hurt me a little bit because you, you, all you did was give me a nice a nice little advice, okay? I promise you I'm not offended by it. You know, I'm pretty much impossible to offend. But, like, I, that's how Charlie is. Charlie, you know... It, if Charlie was going to do that, he would call me out and yell at me in front of everybody. I mean, that's just the way he is, you know. But we get it done. Okay, fine, we're done, and we move on. Same way with my relationship with God. God, Charlie taught me how to have a relationship with God, so I can get in yelling matches with Him and understand He understands my heart. I'm just getting it out, getting the poison out, so that He can heal me up. I don't hold it in and, and make it into resentment. <clears throat> so that's the truth. That's the truth. And, and finally, what are we? We're the light. I talked about that last Sunday. The light. That's the best thing, man. We are the way, the truth, the light. We are the light of God is in us. And in God, there is no darkness. Now, I talked last Sunday that in us, there is darkness sometimes. And what is darkness? For those of you that might not have been here, darkness is not an evil thing. Darkness is where evil hides. Darkness is where things are hidden. Okay, So in other words, if I clasp my hands together, what's in my hands right now is darkness. But as soon as I expose it to the light, there's no more darkness in there because light will always overtake darkness. It cannot not overtake darkness. Now the world that we're living in right now, like I said before, is a dark place. Just watch the news for five minutes if you can handle it. Watch what's going on. Forget about COVID. Forget about all these other things. Just watch the sentiment towards believers right now. I mean, we, we, you know, we, we think, oh, you know, uh, the, the end of the world's coming because there's some persecution on Christians in the United States. I'm like, you know, they're slaughtering people all over the world for being Christians, and we're and we're like upset because we might have a mandate to get a jab. I mean, like, we just say no, we're not doing it. Like, you know, seriously. Even witnessing, like, there's places in this world where if you are caught with spreading the gospel of Christ, they'll hang you. before they, you know, after they've tortured you. In our country, what somebody's going to give you the bird, right, you know, or the, like and but we're so afraid. You know what the problem is? We're more afraid of being rejected than we are for that person who's going to go to hell. Why? And I'm talking to me because I'm the worst. Everything I'm saying, I'm the worst offender at. Okay, I, I'll be honest about that. But I, I see people sometimes. It's like. I know God wants me to say something, but oh my God, there are like two people behind me in line at Walmart and if I step back, they're going to lose my place and then they're going to think I'm a complete psychopath. So maybe I'll just... Pay for their bill, or no, I don't want to do that. But what do I do, God? It's like, my God, just go up and tell them God loves them, Anthony. You moron! And like, excuse my language, but oh, that came out. I'm very raw. I'm sorry, but like, come on, Anthony. Like, this is not complicated. And what happens is I, I start thinking up here instead of thinking in here, and this is where truth is. This is where all my, this is my soulish realm, my mind, my will, my emotions. This is my spirit, where where God has complete control. This is my flesh that is completely corrupt. This is what's going to go along with one of the two. So that's why we feed the spirit and the soul comes along. If we feed the flesh, the soul goes with the flesh. But if I'm going to be the light, first of all, i got to expose my darkness, and that's kind of what this does too, right? I'm exposing myself to the best of my ability with my clothes on. Thank you. But, but there's a reality here of God's getting serious about stuff, right? And like I said, I'm not saying it's because it's the end of the world. There's people that think that the end of the world's here. Like, uh, you know, I heard it was after the Feast of Tabernacle. You know, the the <laughs> rapture is happening. It's like, okay, that's cool. Um, <clears throat> I heard it was, you know, I don't think we're going to make it through 2020 without the rapture happening. It's like, okay, that's cool. I mean, I'm sure I well, but look at what's going on in the world, man. The, Jesus has to be coming back soon. I'm like, I'm sure the Jews thought the same thing about the end of the world when they were being exterminated by the Germans. I'm sure the people that for decades now in Africa that have been being slaughtered by the Muslims think the end of the world is here. Just because some Poor stuff's coming out in the United States does not mean Jesus is coming back soon. I asked Jesus a long time ago, when I first became a Christian, when the end of the world was. And he gave me the answer. The day you die is the end of the world. And that's what I believe. That's the end of the world. The day you die, guy. I'm like, got it. That's all I need to know. Now, do we prepare like it could be tomorrow? Yeah. We we should be ready like it's tomorrow, or it could be right now. That would be cool. Like, right when I'm like, and Jesus said, <laughs> that would be like, I'm like, I want a front row seat. But, um, but the reality is, it's the day we're done. It's the day when our race is completed. And keep running your race. Because people who get caught up in the end of the world, what they start to do is say, Well, the end of the world's coming, so I need to start preparing for the end of the world, and I need to start. And you're you're missing out on what God wants you to do in this world. I I am of the firm belief that Jesus is not coming back on a rescue mission for us. Jesus already did the rescue mission two thousand years ago, and what He's coming back for is a victorious church body without blemish. That's what He's coming back for, not to save us again. He already saved us. But we're such victim mentality people. Myself being the worst, like I said, that we're just waiting. And so what happens is we just wind up preparing the stuff and not doing what God wants us to do, not understanding that there are, the gospel has not been preached to the ends of the earth yet. The disciples have not been made. And my God, I don't. the reason I don't want the end of the world now is because there's too many people that would miss out on eternity if it happened today. There's way too many it's his will that none should perish and that's a whole other topic but for my small part that i can do i need to make sure i do my part that none will perish because i will give an opportunity to everyone that can possibly hear me to know that they are loved by god that's great you're loved by god what are you loved from you're loved from hell you're loved from an eternity of condemnation. Now, that doesn't always work because some people are like, if I don't believe in God, I don't believe in hell, so therefore this hell thing that means nothing to me. Right? I mean, it, it makes sense, right? If I don't believe in one thing, why would I believe in the other? You know, if I, I said before, like, if I don't believe that Batman is going to come save the day, then I also don't believe the Joker is going to come ruin it. You know, it's just like, that's just a comic book, Anthony. So... What I do with people and what we, what we should do with people is stop focusing on their sins because we are not the sin police. You know, people say that, don't be the sin police. It's true. I don't care what your sin, if you're not born again, I don't care what your sin issue is. Because whether you have a thousand sins or one little sin, you're going to hell. That's what I, so what I care about is your lack of Jesus Christ. The lack of you understanding God does love you is what we need to focus on. And being the light is what we need to focus on. So going back to that, we are the light. What does the light do? The light, in the way I'm talking about it, is when you're in a completely dark room and you can't see anything because nothing is illuminated and you're stumbling around, you're tripping over yourself, and all of a sudden you see a candle light up. You're like... I can find my way to that. I can find my way to this light. I want to go to the light. No one wants to be stuck in the dark. The world without Christ is stuck in the dark. What we are is the light to that world. And all we have to do is shine. That's really our job. I mean, the, the, Jesus even said that the harvesters, when he was talking about the parable, the harvesters are angels in the end times. We don't, we, we literally just gotta pick the fruit and say, here, God, take this one. Here, God, take that one. And all we gotta do is shine for that to happen. All we gotta do is let that light that's in us come out. So stop covering up your light. And we do. We cover up our light in denomination. We cover up our light in rules and regulations and laws and this and that. And, and you can't have, you know, oh, you're, so you're, so you're, you're, what's the big one in the church? You're gay or you're transgender. You can't have my light until you fix yourself. Stop it because God gave you his light while you were still a sinner, okay? So God will give them their, his light while they're still sinners. I don't care what you do to get to this altar. Just get to this altar. Just get up here let me pray a prayer with you. Let me help you realize that you need Christ in your life not to change who you are, but to be under a new regime and under a new kingdom and then let that king fix your heart. Because it ain't your job to fix their heart. It ain't my job to fix their heart. The Holy Spirit convicts them, not the Holy Anthony. He doesn't do it. Now, I am that I am, so they will see the light in me. And guess what? If I'm really reflecting that light of God the way I should, my, just my presence will convict them of their sins. But my words don't have to do it. All we're doing is wasting our breath. And it's ineffective, and it doesn't work. I, listen, I gave my heart to Jesus one time from watching Heaven's Gates Hell's Flames. And it lasted about a week. Because I was just like, I'm not going to hell. And I'm not, I better get up there and get saved. And I got up there and get saved. And I'm like, what, what was that about? Okay, so I'm not, it just didn't make sense to me. When I truly discovered, and I was a born again Christian for 15 years, when I finally understood that God loved me so much, he didn't care to change me, it changed me. When I figured out that I was loved so much unconditionally, I put conditions on myself. Because why would I not? Why would I not want to serve a king who just loves me and just wants me just as I am? And then what happens is just as I am becomes just as he wants me to be, just as he made me to be, just as he formed me to be. And as I put my eyes upon Jesus and look full at his glorious face, the things of the earth did grow strangely dim. And I also find that when I take my eyes off of Jesus and look at the world, he grows strangely dim to me. It's so true. It's such an old song, but it's so true. It's so true for all of us. So I I ask you guys today, like, What are we doing? Why are we here? What are we doing in church every Sunday? I mean, I I get it. It's great to fellowship with all of you. Like I love you guys so much. And this is great. I mean, you can come up and play if you would. And we we come we come to church every Sunday and and we hang out and and we get into some awesome worship and we wind up on the floor and we do our flags and, and all that is so amazing and so great. We express ourselves. Why are we only expressing ourselves here on Sunday mornings? Why are we only expressing who God is between 10 and 12, 15 today? <laughs> when the reality is, what this place is for is for equipping us, right? We don't, we, we don't neglect the equipping of the brothers and sisters. That's what church is for. But we got to take it out of here, right? We got to take it out of this building or or, or let's just flame this building up. If this building has become your idol, if church on Sunday for many people has become their idol, that I go to church on Sunday, that's what separates me from the world, well then you're nuts. Christ separates you from the world and Christ and that light is in you all the time and understanding Understanding the accountability that comes along with grace makes grace a whole new thing for me. I'm learning grace all over again in the last couple of weeks, guys. It's, grace is severe. God's love is not manby pamby as Charlie would say. It's not this like uh, God's love has destroyed me to the core of who I am and changed me from the inside out and continuously changes me because his love is so heavy and his love is so changing and his love is so so amazing and his love is so, guess what? God's love is not fair. God's love is just. God says I will have mercy on whom I choose to have mercy and I will judge whom I choose to judge. I don't get it. And a lot of times, we, we, we get the older brother syndrome from the prodigal. They just came into this, man. They, they were gone for so long, and you're promoting them, God? Like, I've been to church every week for the last three years. This guy just came in. not fair. Show me a scripture where he says he's fair, and then I'll fight with him for you. But there is none. There's a lot of talk about just. It's a big difference. So God, what is in me? What is in us? Well, we already know who is in us. And we already know that greater are you who is in us than he who is in the world. Can we stand for a minute? I'm gonna pray and i'm going to pray a prayer and ask god to burden us with a heart for the lost not a superficial let's cry while we're in here and go outside and have fun watching the jets team burden and not something that's going to just make you, you know, a religious zealot because we don't need any more of those. But to understand the heart of God, to understand Paul, in the book of Romans... He says that he would be willing. I have great sorrow and uneasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, those, the people of Israel. God, where is that fire in me that says, I'd give it all up to see my brothers and sisters saved. And guess what? The unsaved are our brothers and sisters because they belong to God. You can't be lost unless you belong to someone. And they belong. They just don't know it. They're just lost. So God, I ask that you would burden our hearts in a way that you burden our hearts because your yoke is easy and your burden is light. But Lord, put enough of that burden in us that when we see those who are perishing because they don't know your love, that you'll give us the words to say. And sometimes that word can be a a smile And sometimes that word can be a a simple word of encouragement. And sometimes that word will be an understanding that this person's got a little bit of time left and we need to do something right now. So Lord, give us the discernment to understand who we're looking at. Because when we see them, I want you all to picture in your mind's eye right now someone that you know that doesn't know Christ, that doesn't know him, that has outright rejected him and is living their life like everything's fine. And I want you to see that person and understand that that person, what Jesus would say is forgive them for they know not what they're doing. So forgive them in your heart first of all and then show them that they have been forgiven, that they are loved. And that trust not in your words, not in your actions, not in your deeds, but in the words, actions, and deeds of Jesus Christ, that he can deliver them from their place of death. These people that you're picturing in your mind's eye right now are dead. They're walking dead people. And all that we're trying to do is revive them back to life, to be born again, and to give them new life. God, there's so many out there. Forgive us, Father God, for not knowing, not understanding, and not doing what you've called us to do with these people who you love. Forgive us, Father God, for trying to put... stipulations on whether they can or can't receive you based on their actions. Forgive us for we knew not what we did at that time. Help us to spread the good news of the gospel that whomsoever believes in you shall not perish but have eternal life. And God, anything that we have in our hearts Anything that we have within us that's darkness, that prevents the light from shining as bright as it can shine, I pray you expose it right now. Guys, I'm not asking you to come up here and confess anything. But right now, God is speaking to every one of our hearts about an area within us that he can't shine through. Deal with that area. Deal with those areas if there's more than one. And let that light come in. So he can shine brighter. I want to be the one Walking in a dark place with my light illuminated that when someone comes to me and says, what's that light in you? I can say, I am that I am. I will show you the way. I will show you the truth. You've already seen the light. I can tell you that no matter what you've done, my friend, your sins have been forgiven and dealt with on the cross. I can tell you that no matter where you're at in life, no matter what God you're serving, including yourself, that there is a greater God, and that greater God is God Almighty, and he loves you just the way you are. And I can tell you that he wants to bring you into his kingdom, and if you give him lordship over your life, and you turn your heart towards him, he'll deal with all the other stuff later. And he's given you a free will. And you can walk away from that. You can walk away, but I've made you accountable, my friend, to understand that you're loved. I've made that lost person accountable by understanding that there's a love of God that will wipe away all their sin, that will clean them up. So don't walk away, man. You're accountable now. When you're ready, he's ready. He's waiting on you. Help us to have that kind of heart, God, to reach those who people say are unreachable. Father, give us hearts for the, for the murderers, for the adulterers, for the drug addicts, for the alcoholics, Lord God, for the prisoners. I'm not talking about those just inside a prison. I'm talking about those who are prisoners to their own devices. We love them, God, because you loved us. So give us hearts for them, Father, we're not trying to fill this church up with people in it. We're trying to continually fill your kingdom with souls. And if you choose to use us to do that, God, which you obviously do because you've saved us, then give us the tools we need to do it. god we will not rest on our laurels anymore lord we don't want to be comfortable in our salvation anymore this is a race for god's sake that we're running it's okay to be out of breath once in a while it's okay to exert some energy it's okay to be tired In fact, our tiredness brings us back to the place where you have to fill us up again, Lord, and it creates our dependency on you. So it's okay to make us tired, God. Just help us to know where to go to get the Gatorade we need when we're exhausted. Thank you for loving us. Thank you, Father God, that this word is not a word of condemnation, but it's a word of challenge. And it's a word of understanding. And I believe everyone in here understands the accountability that comes with knowing who is in us and who we are in. And we don't take it lightly. We take it with the serious measure that you've given it to us with. In Jesus' name, everybody who agreed, just say amen. God bless you guys. Thank you for tuning in to today's message from Identity Church. To know more about us, go to IdentityChurch.net, where you'll find resources such as a calendar, media, and upcoming events. You may also download an app for your mobile device from the Apple App Store or Google Play. Then from your mobile device, you can hear our messages. Read from the Bible, take notes, connect with us on the social media, and even pay your tithe. Again, thank you for tuning in to today's message from Identity Church.